You're listening to Creative Thursday, episode number 316. Welcome to Creative Thursday with Marisa Ann Cummings. We're talking all things life, business, and creativity with a special focus on helping artists confidently and consistently sell their creations to their ideal collectors online. Intended to inspire and empower you wherever you are on your creative journey, both personally and professionally. Enjoy and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome. Today we have a special guest. This is a long and thoughtful conversation with a fellow creative, someone who has become a very dear friend. And I was just thinking about how I could introduce him to you, but he does a great job of sharing his story. And I, he's a wonderful storyteller, so I want you to hear all the details from him. But I was looking at his Instagram and I thought, I'm going to share this amazing reel that he made. My friend Nick Demos is a dancer, a yogi, a husband, a Tony award-winning producer, a speaker, a host, a manifesting master, a filmmaker, a podcast host, an online business coach, a fun uncle, a teacher, a retreat leader, and as I shared, he's an inspiring, wonderful, supportive friend, especially to the creatives. I met Nick in my online marketing education world that I have been deeply invested in the last few years. And, you know, when we find our fellow creative, not that many in the educational space are are creative. We're all creative, right? I believe everyone is creative. And we take that creativity and we express it in many ways, or as in Nick's case, in just an, an overwhelmingly variety of incredible ways. In mine, I'm getting close. Not, I'm not a Tony award-winning Broadway producer yet. <laughs> no, I I do have vision for film. I want to sing. I want to play music. I have all these visions that are, they're waiting for their right time. For now, primarily I'm a painter and an illustrator, designer, but this podcast is part of my expression. The education is part of my creativity. You know, we often wear many hats, but when We come across each other in a group. I tend to beeline towards fellow creatives because I've shared a lot of this recently. We are a really unique bunch and it's not that I only want to spend time with people who identify as like fully creative professionals. It's just, we have a shorthand. We understand what it's like to step into this life in many ways. And we also just tend to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I love my I love my creatives. We tend to think outside the box. So I met Nick and as I shared, I've wanted to have him on the podcast for a few years now. And it's really lovely 
that the timing worked out the way that it did because our friendship has grown in the time I've wanted to have him on the podcast. And I was able to ask him questions I've wanted to ask someone about this whole topic of money and manifestation and how it relates to spirituality, how it relates to science, how religion might play into it. There are so many questions around all of the knowledge I have on this topic. And honestly, very few people I trust to ask those questions of. And Nick is one of them. I know him well enough to know that he leads by example. And I wanted him to come on the podcast to have this conversation. I think he and I would both say, we'll give you the uh, not warning label, but maybe if you're a listener of Creative Thursday, you probably like me aren't a big small talk person. This is not a small talk episode. This is not a bunch of tips and tricks. Although, although Nick does share in a very creative fashion, his process around manifestation that I think you'll love, but we, we go deeper in this conversation and I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it, your insight, anything that you figured out. And, and if this conversation is helpful for you, if it helps to answer some questions that maybe you've had on this topic as well, I don't typically talk a lot about this and yet it's very much a part of how I've built my business and what I tend to be really inspired to and and lean towards in terms of just my own awareness and consciousness, personal development, personal growth, all the things. But we came to, well, rather I had a pretty big awakening in this conversation that's still with me weeks later. And so I'm excited for you to listen. On that note, get comfy, maybe grab yourself a matcha latte or a latte. Papita, I'll be right with you. We're going out in just a minute and enjoy my conversation with the Nick Demos. Nick, you inspire me in all the ways. So I'm going to open with asking you to share a little of your creative background. I don't think I've met anyone quite like you. And uh, I could maybe attempt to share some of it, but I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't even do it justice. So um, I'm going to open with asking you to share a little bit of your, how would we describe it? You just have this dynamic and interesting story that has brought you here working on multiple projects. So if you want to come at it from, this is what you're working on now, that's how you got there or how you got started following your creative intuition and path. Yeah, I think it's best to let's start at the very beginning. Um, <laughs> we will hopefully we're going to start putting video out there so we can also do some dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, first, thank you for having me on your show. I know what that means. And I really, really appreciate that you have trust in me and that you honor our, our friendship and our relationship and uh, being a colleague and just a dear person. So first, thank you. Well, uh, my pleasure. And 
It's, I just remembered, I just want to add one quick aside that I grabbed your business card in 2019 and it was in my, my desk drawer. This occurred to me last night. And I was like, every time I saw it, I was like, I got to reach out to Nick. And I think I felt a little intimidated. I'm not sure why, but I just, I just was like, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And then finally, finally, we're making it happen. So the timing is always right. Right. And it's just wonderful that you're here. I'm like, here it is. What's happening? So I yeah. hand it back over to you. Intimidating, I don't get at all. So there you go. I don't know why either. That's probably some residual leftover of like you're amazing and you're a Tony Award winner. <laughs> we'll just <laughs> Well, I didn't start there. That's for sure. You know, I, I my mother likes to say I was a born storyteller. That, you know, when I was a child, I used to jump up on the table and tell all the stories, the fairy tales. And I was a performer, a natural born performer. And by 16, I had my first professional job uh, as a dancer. And at 19, I moved to New York and I was a Broadway dancer. I was a backup dancer. I danced at Radio City Music Hall. I danced, I backup danced at one point for Aretha Franklin. Like I really like sort of lived that world, but I really say that my creativity, while as a child it was there, I somehow lost it during that period. And I know that sounds strange to say when you're a professional, when you're a professional dancer and you feel like you have no creativity. But the interesting thing about being a dancer is you're told what to do at all times. Stand Mm -hmm. here, put your arm here, look like this, do like that. And you are not, your opinion is not valued. It's it's shut up and do what you're told. And there was this ache within me that was like, what? No. And I was the type of person to be looking at the light and say, well, that's the wrong light. Why are they using that light and the costume color? I don't like that costume color. What? Well, why that? And it kind of all came to head for me in my dance career. I was like 24, 25. And I was doing the Radio City Music Hall spectacular with the Rockettes. There are some boys in the show. And um, I was literally going to be like, Radio City Music Hall, were you with the Rockettes? I didn't know there were boys in the show. And I did actually see that. And I went to the Christmas show there in the 80s. There are boys in the Christmas show. And I was one were of Were you in boys. the Christmas show in the I 80s? It was one of my favorite memories. It was the 90s. It was the early, early to mid late 90s. <laughs> Sometime in the 90s. Uh, and I was doing the show. And in the show, there's this Nutcracker ballet with bear costumes. And I had this bear head on. And I was a Russian bear. And we were dancing. And we had, uh, in, in the show, I had to jump from a trampoline onto the stage in this bear costume. And it's a big grid system there. Like, it is huge. And there's so many people. And it's like, it's actually kind of dangerous. But there's all these numbers on the floor. So you know where your spot is and where you are with all the moving parts and pieces, right? And I've got this bear head on and I'm looking for my number on the floor and I'm exhausted because it's my fifth show of the day and it's Christmas time and tears are rolling down my cheeks inside my bear costume. And meanwhile, it's like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, right? And I had this realization, I never forget it, that I took off my bear head and I went to the mirror, my dressing room mirror, and I remember looking in the mirror saying, this is not your life. This isn't the creativity that you, you know, signed up for. You've got to shift your life. You got to change this. 
And that was like a first breaking point for me in my creativity of really taking ownership of it. I got on the phone right away and I started very old school calling every theater I'd ever worked for in my entire life. And I said, I'm a director and a choreographer. And I hadn't directed or choreographed anything, <laughs> but I made the decision that that's what I was going to do. And one of the theaters that I called was a theater in Florida. And the artistic director of the theater said, oh my gosh, Nick, we just lost our choreographer. You want to come to Florida in February? This was literally a month and a half later. Would you like to come choreograph this show? And I said, absolutely. And within one year, I fully transitioned out of being an actor dancer into a director choreographer. Also, one of the theaters that I called was this theater called Lyric Theater of Oklahoma. And in that theater, uh, I ended up directing that year, but then two more consecutive years. And that third year that I'm there, so now I'm a full-time director choreographer. And that third year that I'm there, they fire the artistic director of the theater company while I'm there. And the president of the board of the directors, of the board of directors turns to me and says, hey, Nick, we've li really liked your shows the last three years. Now, mind you, I'm like 28 years old at this point. We really like what you've done. Will you come take over the theater for a year while we do a national search for a replacement? Will you produce? Will you be the producer of the theater? I was and like, this is Oklahoma, the Oklahoma theater. In, in Oklahoma City. This is a million dollar year business. I, I had no idea what I was doing, none whatsoever. And I said, absolutely. Because I knew that I was going to learn. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, what gave you so much conviction so early? I just knew that I could learn a lot. I had this intense curiosity. And there was something in me that just knew that this was possible. Now, here's a crazy story. Three years before, when I was leaving the theater, you never know if you're going to be invited back, right? You never know if you're going to get another job. You're, you were jobbed in for that particular job. I'm walking up the stairs and there's this music office, two doors down, and I'm, I'm waving goodbye to people. Bye, see you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Goodbye. And this assistant music director says, bye, it was so great having you. I said, don't worry, I'll be back someday to run the place. And I walked up the stairs. And I remember thinking in my head, what did I just say? There was something in me that knew that that was going to happen. And that sounds like kind of woo-woo-wee and blah, blah, blah. But there was just something in me. I like said it. I just knew it. I just knew that I was bound to work here again and that there was something here for me to learn. And so when it came up, it was like, oh yeah, here it is, here it is. And so I accepted that position and really honed my craft there, honestly, um, both as a director, but as a producer and really learned what it meant to run a business. Because when, like I said, when I started, it was about a million dollar a year business and about six people on staff. And we grew it and grew it and grew it over the eight years to two new theaters. I did capital campaigns. I raised tons of money, a children's academy, a, a costume shop. We grew to, you know, about 200 people working with me when we were in production, uh, at about 14 people, full-time employees. And it was an eight-figure business when I left. Incredible. So it was an incredible time learning experience, but it was also not just me. I want to make that really clear. Like I was leading at a place and being super creative at a place because I had this creative home and I could have this vision 
but it was also with the entire community. The entire city of Oklahoma City was growing at that point. And it took lots of people to make that vision come to fruition. It was like co-creating with so many humans. So many souls came together to make that reality, honestly. And while I was there, my final year there, I had this moment of like itch. That, you know, that, that itch, that creative itch of like, oh, there's something else, something, something more now. And I was tired too, because you get worn out when you're running a business like that. You know, if you're not careful, and I didn't know how to manage my energy then. I know you do now. I know you do. You work on it, right? You work, work on managing on it your energy. Takes some practice for sure. Yes. Yeah. And maturity, I think, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was still in my early 30s at that point, right? So, yeah, I, that's why I double incredible, incredible. That. I was like, because I'm just, I'm knowing what I'm going through now as someone who recently turned 50 and growing into someone who wants to become a better leader of a team of one plus some freelancers and just having so much appreciation for people who are managing larger teams and running that kind of cash flow, you know, through a business, working to make it profitable. In my mind, I just always, yeah, that's what you do. That's what you do. But when you get into it, you realize what it actually takes to do that and to do it well. And so I didn't know, I didn't know the full detail of what you had accomplished there. And it's, it's really something, especially at the age that you were. So I also think I didn't know any better. Well, I, I was, I was thinking too, I had a, I had a similar conviction and I think it's good that we don't know any better. Now there is this way that I know better and I'm being maybe a little more cautious than I would have been. Yeah, And so I'm sure that'll, that'll balance out where I'll remember even hearing your story today, hopefully for our listener, it's the same. You're just reminded of what if you approach your life with this attitude of, of yes and trust and not overthinking and, and matching that enthusiasm and that belief and conviction with the wisdom <laughs> that you now have, yeah. that's something pretty special, right? Yeah. I would think. And that's where, I mean, that is where you're at. I know if you fast forward, there's, I, I uh, alluded to it. There's a Tony award in there. <laughs> so where did it go next from there to bring you to where you are now? Well, I went to yoga teacher training because I needed a break and I'm sitting in yoga teacher training. I took a month off and I'm sitting there in a meditation. And what came to me was you don't need a month off. You need to quit your job. And I was like, no, I can't quit my job. No, no, I have benefits. I have health benefits. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an artist. I have health benefits. We don't have this. You know, but I knew deep within that that was the truth. It took me a year to do it. And I gave them a year notice so they could find a replacement. But I started a production company. I reconnected with an old friend who had some money, to be honest. And speaking of money, and yes, we're uh, talking about that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about that a bit. And she, um, we went to lunch, and I was telling her about you know what I wanted to do, which is I was 
looking at creating a production company. And basically at the end of the lunch, she said, well, you know, what do you need? And she wrote me a check for a half a million dollars at that lunch. And that was really the start of my production company. And within a year after that, um, I was producing on the West End. I was producing on Broadway. And the first show that I produced on Broadway became a, a, a Tony Award winning musical. Now, that sounds amazing. That's the that's like sort of the, what I what I call the the true story because all of that is true. But the real story is that when that happened, here I am now, thirty seven, turning thirty eight, and I'm at the Tony Awards, and Bernadette Peters is opening the envelope to announce the winner, and she announces the winner, and everyone stands up, and everyone's so excited. And all I remember in my mind was were two things. The first was, thank God because my investors are gonna get their money back. Because if we hadn't won, my investors would have lost their money. That was the first thing that came to my mind. And the second thing was, this is it. This is it. This is this moment. This isn't what this is supposed to feel like. I, I didn't think that, I mean, my entire life, I wanted this Tony Award, right? This was the pinnacle of success in the theater. And now here it is. And this is not the feeling that I thought I was supposed to have. And I was numb. And I'm thinking about this as I'm walking up onto the stage to accept the award. This is what's going on in my mind. And that's really when sort of the true work of my artist started. Because that validation, that external validation that I was so seeking wasn't really it. And I started then to do some deep inner work and worked with a, a teacher and I sat with a guru and like I really and a therapist and I like really dug in pretty deep because I realized that I'd been chasing some elusive thing and it wasn't the real deal and my artist had become a shadow artist in many ways and wasn't really being fully seen because I was seeking outside of myself and that's when I began to write. I began to uh, be a filmmaker. I really started taking projects and doing things that I felt passionate about rather than simply doing them because they were going to make me either famous or rich or anything along those lines. And that led me also into the, the act of service. Suddenly I realized, oh, I want to help other people. That's actually what I really want to do is I want to teach. I want all this knowledge, all this wisdom, all this stuff that I've been learning, I want to share with others. And that's really what led me to where I am today, which is in both worlds. I coach, I coach creatives, I coach some business owners, usually creative business owners. Uh, and then I, I also still work on Broadway a bit. I produce a bit and I'm a filmmaker. But I've been able to find this way to bridge all of these worlds together of my, my yoga training and my meditation and the work that I do um, with creatives. And really, because I've when speaking of money, because I work with people on their, their mindset around abundance, around manifestation. And part of that is because I've been up, I've been down, I've been all the way in between. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I feel really called, and we've talked about this, that for creatives to let go of the starving artist narrative, to let it go, that it's done, it's time. It's time for us to step into a new, new paradigm. And um, I feel very called 
to help people do that. And that's where we're going to begin focusing. Thank you for taking us uh, so beautifully through that journey. I got every word. You are a wonderful storyteller <laughs> for sure. I've got I've got everything from the bear <laughs> on the trampoline. I love knowing all these details. They're so great. And of course, we could ask you a million questions. And by we, I mean me and everyone listening. We could ask you so many questions in so many areas. But I wanted to ask Nick today about something that, as we just touched upon, tends to come up frequently when we're talking about artistry and creativity and that somehow the thought of that isn't linked to a lot of money. And then if you dare to say that you want a lot of money, now we've got all kinds of other uh, ideas around that, stories around that, like oh, well, you're selling out or you just want to be famous or you're not really an artist or, you know, how how many, it's not really possible. It just, it stirs the pot. <laughs> There's a lot of pot stirring when it comes to money, art. Uh, I ran some ads recently that I was, I also stirs the pot when we think about if we're good enough which mm -hmm. then that goes into being deserving around good enough with our art, which then weaves into deservability sometimes around being paid for our craft. And so I wanted, Nick is one of the few, and I won't say not only, he's one of the few, we got to get more, we got to get more creatives in the space. He's one of the few I really trust and, you know, I know personally, so I know he's walking the walk of what he talks to come and just dive into this conversation around money mindset, if you will. And, but specific to manifestation, which I know all three of these words, money, mindset, manifestation can all spark a different response from someone listening. And one of the reasons that I love listening to and talking with Nick about these topics is that he has such a unique approach to them that I think will be really helpful and insightful for you listening, especially if you've had a preconceived idea around what, what mindset, or in particular, we all kind of know money, we know what money is, but mindset and manifestation might mean for you because Nick, I don't know if you agree on this, but sometimes it feels like these are these buzzwords that get put out into the out into the world and there's a lot of different people talking about them and you can come across a person that makes sense to you, you can come across someone where you're like, I don't know about this and you you can get confused. Like what maybe a good starting point is to say how would you define both mindset and manifestation? Yeah, let me start with manifestation because it's the one that uh, people think of as almost woo or out there or in some like foreign fairy tale land, right? The word, you know, manifest really means to bring into the mind's eye, right? To, it's already out there. It's just bringing it clearly to your eye. That's manifest. To create is another way of saying manifest. You're creating in the world. So demystifying it, you can just say to create, 
to be a creator, right? Mindset is really, for me, it's really, where is your focus right now? Where is your focus right now? And money, interestingly, yeah, we all know what it is, but we all have stories around it. And we and the money mindset, we weren't taught. It's not your fault that you've got these, these money stories, right? Because we weren't taught about it. We were taught what I like to call the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. But we weren't actually taught how to manage our money, how to talk about money. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my family, we didn't talk about money. It was taboo. Yeah, I was about to say, as you were saying that, to just, we didn't, we weren't taught because no one talked about it. And to this day, even, I know that we're of a similar generation, but to this day, I still see it going on with most people. There's such a distorted conversation around money when it comes up in any conversation. Yeah, and so consequently, there was no education about it. We've had no education about about how to manage no healthy education we've had like a bystander education right and absorbing being in the environment of what is the 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 term osmosis like we got an osmosis of education but it wasn't a thoughtfully presented and most of it you got before the age of eight which is really crazy and that is to, do you concur, right? I'm I'm talking more on the podcast about the subconscious mind and just understanding the science around all of this as well, which I, I find that really helps me to understand some of these concepts. That's technically right between ages of zero and seven, zero and eight, when we are, there are, can be some of the most formative years for us in the subconscious mind that ultimately determine our beliefs and our identity as a starting point. Those can be shifted, of course, but that's the starting point. Yes. Absolutely. Do you see it that way too or understand absolutely. it that way? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And consequently, the stories that you heard from your parents, from your family, from your environment, from your friends at that period is what forms your money beliefs. So if you were told money's difficult, money's for other people, Evil people are rich, uh, rich people are evil. You know, these were, these are greedy, greedy. Absolutely. Artists don't make any money. These are stories that have been told that you heard and you took in and you believe you, they, they formed what we call a belief, right? Repeated thoughts become a belief. These things that you told were told become your beliefs. Your beliefs create your, your repeated beliefs create your mindset around something. So really it's all these stories that you've been told for all of these years that you you believe because at that formative age, whether you were told them directly or subconsciously, you don't know that they're not true. And so they then somehow become a fact, mm-hmm. right? And what I like to think of in terms of like then re-changing or re-educating, I call it the four R's, the four R's of money manifestation. Instead of the three R's, right? Reading, writing, arithmetic, I call it the four R's. And the first one is review. The first R is review, which is really about asking yourself, are these true? Are these things that that are so ingrained within me when they come up, are they true? These thoughts that I have around money. Is it true that people are greedy if they have money? Or is that just what I've been told? 
And what are these beliefs within you? I, I One of the exercises that I like to give people is to write their money story. Go back to when you first heard about money. What's the first thing you remember hearing about money? What were your parents, what, what did your parents tell you about money? I remember for me, <laughs> my dad said that money was really hard to make. It's hard to make. Got to work hard. You got to work hard to make money. And I was 11, I think, when I asked him for some money once because I wanted to go play Ms. Pac-Man at the arcade with my friend Pat. And my dad said to me, this is hard-earned money. If you want that money to go do something that frivolous, then you need to go earn it yourself. And my friend Pat, I know, right? How about that? That's loaded. That's loaded. (laughs) Loaded a lot of directions. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Pat had a uh, paper wrap and he said, oh my gosh, two blocks over, they're looking for a new paper boy. Go get that job so we can play Pac-Man all the time. And I was like, cool, great, I will. So I went to the paper, got a job and they told me that there were two ways to make money. One was to deliver the papers and the second was to get subscriptions, right? So I got my paper route, they hired me, must've given a decent interview, they hired me And I'm like wrapping the papers and you have to rubber band them. You have to put them in these plastic bags. And I was putting them in this this little red wagon. And I had a little red wagon. I carried it up and down. We we lived in this hill area, up and down the hills, right? And I was delivering these papers. And it was like such a pain in the you know what. I was not having it. But I also was getting these subscriptions. Now, when you got a subscription, you made like for one subscription, you made what you made like in two weeks delivering the papers. I was laying down one day in the grass right after I was like exhausted and I was laying up and I was like looking at the clouds as they were going by, sort of a little meditation of sorts, right? I'm like laying there and I had this inspiration moment. And the moment was this, two things happened. One, I realized if I sell subscriptions, I can make way more money just going door to door, being charming and selling a subscription than all of this pain in the butt paper route. And two, in that moment, I realized it's not about hard work because it was so hard. It was such hard work to deliver all those papers. And for me, it was so not hard work to go door to door, be charming and sell a subscription. So money was not made through hard work. My father was wrong. And the second thing was that money is an idea's. Money is in your creativity. How did you figure that out so early? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But that was a shift for me in that moment. That was a shift in that in that money mindset. And, you know, I had others, of course. My dad didn't, my parents, not just my dad, but they didn't want me to be an artist, right? They were afraid. They were scared for me. I get it now. As an adult, I get it. They were scared for me. It was like, you go be a lawyer. Because lawyers make good money, right? And you love to argue with me. You'll be great as a lawyer. (laughs) But there was something within me that was like, no, I can make money as an artist. And not only that, it became, I'm going to make money as an artist. I'm going to show you is what it became, honestly. And I think that was a drive for me. So while my father, that money mindset that he was trying to instill in me that was his, that he was passing down to me, that was likely passed down to him, right? I rejected 
I rejected. And I still have to reject to this day because I find myself now in adulthood working really hard. I'm a hard worker. It's a badge of honor, right? And I still to this day have to go, whoa, take the, pe- take the, take the, the gas off the pedal and, and let this be. It's not always through hard work. That's just one example of reviewing the story. So go write your story. Literally sit down and write, this is what I was told. This is what, and you'll, you'll be amazed at what comes back to you, the things that, and you'll see patterns. And then write like, what was your first job? How did it feel? What did that teach you? Go all the way through, review these stories in such a profound way that you can examine them with new eyes. Back up the camera lens and examine them. Self-aware, that was it. Self-aware, so much self-awareness so early. Well, I think that I was self-aware in that way. There are many ways <laughs> not self-aware. <laughs> well, that is a good way to be self-aware. But I do, I, I, uh, yeah, that it's, it's, it's clear listening to your story now, knowing where your passion has led that there were inklings of that very early on. And yeah. that I imagine that uh, you too, probably, I mean, we, we certainly do talk about this, but you can see how everything has led you to this moment, like really listening to it all the way through just now taking that also taking into account that story that you remember you had to prove to yourself that you could do it then once you did you were like okay let's next level this yeah and how can i then help others with the same you know or similar experiences that we've all been through or are working through currently yeah yes Absolutely. That's absolutely the truth. And and I know for anybody out there listening, you're going to find those same types of things in your story, which is why I also say write your story, right? You'll find these connective tissues as to your why. Because no, one of the most important things about money is why. Why do you want to have it? Is it so you can feed your kids, your family? Is it so you can have freedom? Is it like, what is the real why? Really get to like the bottom of the why. For me now, and it it might change over time, but for for me now, it's so I can make bigger impact. So I can be of service in a bigger way, but know what your why is. So important. And and I'm I'm curious because of course this, you know, it's wonderful and it's uh, is it altruistic when we're wanting to help others with the money that we make? Can you also be materialistic in your why? Oh, hell and- yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that- a lot of times I find the reason I'm asking is I find that the way that it's presented, you know, today in today's trend is, you know, we want, we want to have a bigger impact. Uh, I do too. We wouldn't be doing this work for as long as we have, if that wasn't truly like who we are. And I like to unapologetically, you know, I, I want money because it makes things easier. I want beautiful things or enjoy this incredible meal or go, you know, fly first class if I'd like to. And I, sometimes I find my own hesitation 
acknowledging that side as well, because I think, oh, well, that probably isn't going to look good or that's not going to work in terms of, of manifestation um, if I'm you know, being selfish like that or seemingly materialistic. Even I just use the word. So I just am curious how you approach that. Yeah. So I think, you know, particularly the artist community can can have a bit of that. And the spiritual community is even more so that way, right? And so here I am finding myself in both of these worlds. And what I've had to learn over time is it doesn't make me less of an artist. It doesn't make me less spiritual. It's a tool. Money is a tool. It amplifies who you actually already are. That's it. So when good people get money, they do good, impactful, important things with that money. Barack Obama has this quote that is, money is not the answer, but it makes a difference. And so when we can allow ourselves these nice things, it's really just receiving energy. Or not. It is important to note that that may not matter to someone. And that doesn't mean that they don't want to make money either, right? That there's really... It's just not, it's not such a box. It's, it's who are you in relation to why you want this on any and all of those levels or areas that you think of when you think of making money. And I'm a, I'm a boozy bitch. I like, I, I, I like nice things. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to lie about that. I'm not ashamed of it. And here's the thing. We all start at different places. Let me be very clear about that. There's levels of privilege. We all start at different places. We do have, we don't all have the same capacity, right? Because of, of where we live, where we're from, what's what's happening, what, what our circumstances are, but we do all have the, the ability to move up a notch, to shift it slightly, at least, if not quantum leap it. Because then there's also a bigger, bigger conversation about like, what is your dharma? What's your purpose? Why are you here? right? There's that conversation as well. So it's, it's, it's complex. Money is very easy and also very complex at the same exact time. It's, but it's ultimately, it's a tool. So someone listening is just considering that they are, they're either just considering or they're new to the concept of and I was even thinking making money sounds like I have to make it. Like there's an element of hardship Hard. to that description, right? This awareness, as soon as you become aware or you start to notice these little details. And so I won't call it making money. Um, you could say manifesting money. I know we're going to still talk a little bit more about just that, how that works in conjunction with money, um, attracting money. Let's say melding money with the concept of the gifts they have a creative gift they have and they're trying to bridge that particular uh they're trying to just bridge that possibility of i have this gift i believe i have a gift i know that would probably be the first step is to have some belief in your gift even if it's quiet and to yourself initially uh then to be able to state that outwardly but to then take that belief in your gift and attach it to money. I mean, I met, I met someone recently at a a brunch party who 
was 68 and she said, gosh, I love making art. And I just, she said, I'd love to talk to you because I really, I don't, I don't like selling it. (laughs) And I was like, and I thought, okay, well, selling it is an exchange. You know, people love to support people financially because we all know that we live in a world where that is a necessary part of just being alive. It happens to be the tool that we do need where we live. And, you know, if we're, if we have this tool, then I know where this this starts to go into many directions, but I found it so interesting that someone that was accomplished in this other area of their career, which was in the architecture space, could feel so completely different about the gift that came from inside. And so if you're in that position where you're trying to meld those two concepts, like I could actually get paid for this gift, where would you start? I know you mentioned review, but where would you begin to? But I think that goes back to your why. Yeah. Do you, are you creating this art merely for the love of it, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with creating art merely for the love of it, right? Or is this something that could be potential business or money making for you? That's a decision that you have to sort of make, right? First and foremost. So that's going back to that why. And then understanding the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity, or it's also sometimes in Christian circles called the law of what we reap and we reap what we sow, right? Energy exchange is what money actually is. It used to be that we would trade the donkey for the barrel of hay or what have you. Now we exchange this thing called money. And so honoring and respecting, this goes back to you, your worth, value for value exchange. And what is your art worth? What is it worth? That's the question that you have to sit with. And I know out there they're going, my art's not worth anything. It's not good enough. I'm not good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But start by honestly making the determination that it is. What if it is? What if it is worth something? Because it's worth something to someone. How do we know that? How do we know that? not know, I would ask. Until you put it out there, how do you not know? You don't know until you put it out there. And then you have to put it out there in front of the right person. Because you could put it out there in front of people that don't know how to receive it. Correct. And so it's a trial and error, right? Manifestation, and this is where people get confused about manifesting, right? They think it's like sitting and wishful thinking and hoping and praying and you know, doing the the technique, the five, 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 or the three, six, nine challenge or whatever you see on TikTok, right? Manifestation is a path and you either get this result, which might be, you put it out there and the piece is sold, boom. Or it'll come with a challenge and it's a lesson that you get to learn. You get to learn, not have to, you get to. And maybe it's, oh, I got to tweak this. I got to try it in front of this person. Or maybe I need to try selling it in a different way or at a different price point or what have you. But that has nothing to do with your value as an artist. Zero to do with your value as an artist. Knowing your worth, knowing your art is worthy and the price that you get for it are two completely different things. How do you know that your art is worthy? 
if you've doubted it for a long time. Mm, gosh, that's a real. Or, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going in, Nick, because I know you can. I know we. I know we can do this. These are, you know, this is the um, is similar to how you describe the story of your of your dad. So often, so often, just like Ms. Pacman in his eyes was frivolous, mm-hmm. and. I love that game too, by the way. That was my favorite video game was Pac-Man. Um, and then someone can say that very often people say making art is frivolous. Making art is not something that is to be valued. And so how do, how do we, you know, I often find that we can consciously decide and flip a switch and say, all right, well, I'm just going to decide that it's worth it. But there's some transition there to really believing that. So do you have, I know there are a lot of ways that people can approach this and maybe that's part of the journey is figuring out the way, like, is it through yoga? Is it through meditation? Is it through therapy? Yeah. Is it through listening yeah. to a story? Is it through following docu- documentaries? I mean, that's one way that I started to believe in what was possible. How would you invite someone? This is part two of the R's. The first one was review, right? The second is release. It's letting go of these old stories. And the way to do that is to dive in. You got to really feel them. Sometimes it requires tears. Sometimes it requires screaming. Sometimes it requires yoga, meditation, therapy, working with an amazing coach like you. You know, it's about diving in to let go of these old stories, of these old patterns, because ultimately manifestation is the path of self-actualization. So is your business. Mm, Wait, wait, that was a mic drop. Manifestation is the path of Of self-actualization. So when you start, well, manifestation is happening all the time, right? You're it's technically all whatever the time. we're living, we're manifesting. I want to hold that thought for a second. But manifestation is the result of self-actualization. Would you say that the that's the manifestation that you've really been very thoughtful about? The one that you've wanted, perhaps that becomes that bridge or not? Or not wanted. You're manifesting all the time. Sometimes you're just so manifesting they, things you don't want. Explain so to explain that. What do you mean by self-actualization? What yeah. is your so self-actualization is the path to self-love? Mm, very cool. And so consequently, what we're doing in this review and release process is getting rid of these blocks that are holding you from having the clear channel. We all know that inspiration comes in. Like I said, I got that divine inspiration, right? From the clouds, whatever, God, love, source, energy, great creator, whatever you want to call it, that talent that's deep within you, what, however you want, the, the clearer it gets, the, more you're, the, the, the greater the artist you are. We have this fallacy that you have to be a tortured artist to be good. You have to be, you know, that's bull crap. The more you're able to really create in the world is the clearer you get, the more loving of the self you are. And that's by removing these blocks and these old stories, you get clearer. I had this insight 
okay, if, if self-actualization is self-love, then all this manifesting is really just to get us to self-love. Correct. Because as you said, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) as you shared, so cool. I told you, I told you (laughs) as a new insight and I have not heard it this way before. And I have also, I have been aware of this for close to 20 years and I've really had my own hiccups around what it means to me. Because as you shared at the beginning of your story, you got to the Tony Award. We all probably have some example in our life of something that happened. Let's put the word manifestation aside. Something we wanted that we got that didn't fill the hole or the void. Mm -hmm. Maybe temporarily, but it wasn't last. But at the end of the day, it really is self-love that's going to fill the, that's going to be satisfying and, and it's already there like like it's manifest we don't actually need anything <laughs> we you don't. don't need anything you just need to to, to clear out to All make this clear. noise you gotta get that's it we're done <laughs> and then we're done and you're there and it's manifest because when you are living in that space and certainly i have had those moments you listening may have had the moment where Nothing really does matter. You're so content. Although these are fleeting and I would like these moments to be lasting. You're, you just don't need anything. You don't need anything from anyone. You don't need, you don't need any validation. Uh, you don't, your, your needs. And again, we're speaking of a certain uh, stage of living or life where, you know, your basic needs are met, your survival needs are met, but you you have that moment of just utter freedom. It's the most amazing feeling. And that is in essence, and I've certainly heard it put this way, you know, we want what we want because we think we're going to feel better having it and we can already feel better now. But this piece of self-love is such a key piece to that. I don't know why I've not ever heard it put together this way. It's really, really wonderful. Well, I'm really, I'm glad that resonated. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> you know? I am, it's, I'm just sitting with it for a moment because one of my other questions around this, and I really have, have never been able to ask it, you know, how do we, I don't want to say I've never been able to ask it. This is a question I want to ask. And I've maybe not felt comfortable talking with other people about this to go, well, how do we know? I would love to hear your thought. How do we know there's such a thing as law of reciprocity? How do we know law of attraction? I mean, I always just relate it back to now. Well, certainly I've had experiences in my life, but they're not consistent. I know I'm not consistent if I'm part of the creator of my life. I, kn- I know this, but what if you don't fully subscribe to everything is happening because of your thought or way of being and that energetically it's going out and coming back? You know, what helped me was just understanding quantum physics that apparently, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> I, haven't studied quantum, <laughs> I haven't studied quantum physics. You know, we tend to lean more towards science or some of us are can be fully into the faith. Um, I was always like, how do we know this is really happening? Now, law of gravity, I know <laughs> because I, I'm going to fall over. <laughs> I'm not going to jump off a building. This. 
How do you yeah. feel? How do I feel? You mean right in this moment? Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. how many, what, what is there, what is time really? So manifestations in now, the law of attractions in right now, the law of reciprocities in right now. Now that's super deep and super like, what? But when you really think about it, the stuff that's happened in your past that you that you fret about, maybe you've made some financial mistakes, right? The path to self-love is forgiveness for those mistakes. If you're in the future and you're thinking about, oh my God, I'm not going to make enough money. Oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? You're out of self-love and you're forecasting something into the future. When you're in relationship with people, that reciprocity that we're talking about, the law of reciprocity is what grace, what kindness, what love can you give to them that they will then give in return and vice versa. Now, the thing about manifestation is not everyone's playing in the same field, right? Not everyone is coming from this place of of love, of kindness, of respect. And you've got to deal with what, you know, the outside world. If I were just manifesting all by myself, this would be amazing, right? (laughs) How cool would it be? But guess what? I step out and I deal with people in the real world, right? And so what happens is, is what comes at you is not what happens to you. It's your reaction to it. And in each moment, you get to choose how you're going to respond to whatever it is that happens. So these laws that people make up are made up by people to quantify things that have happened or the ways of being. I don't think that even in quantum physics that are not all um, uh, scientifically proven yet, dot, 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 yet, right? But what feeling state are you in? That's why people ask you in manifestation, what's the feeling state? You'll track that feeling state. Yes. Because well, it's really in the real about right now. Pardon? Because it's really about right now. I know, and you really can have that feeling state that you imagine right now. Yeah. So then we could say that, would it be fair to say that manifestation is really just a tool also? (laughs) That really changes it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a tool. All of the, all the techniques. Everything is just to get to the now. To have a sense of self-love, which naturally is good for you and your mind and your body and beautifully reverberates out to the rest of the world. Because when you're feeling a sense of self-love, you don't get caught up in all that other garbage. Correct. Or misdirecting your uh, anger, frustration, or anything on anybody else. Because again, it goes back to that why. You know, why do I want to manifest a six-figure business? What is that going to give me? Mm -hmm. Boil it down, boil it down, boil it down. And it all comes back to love, to self-love. No matter how you how you slice it, it all comes back there. Even freedom, even helping, even taking care of my kids. That's still love. At the end of the day, I know this is like very like um, could came, could come across as very like um, oh kumbaya, my love, kumbaya, right? But when you really boil it down, that is what it comes to. Which well, is the was... my third R. That's the third R. What is the third R? Renew. Rewrite the story. You can renew that relationship with the self, with whatever it is that you intend to create in the world. 
That's the renew. That's the renewal. That's going from like that, you know, fixed money mindset to a, an abundant money mindset. That's the new story. Because when you're coming from this like very heartfelt place that we're talking about, which I know artists do, because that's how artists are, you creatives out there, you that you are the biggest hearted people ever, 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 right? And that, that renewal of that shift, that shift in consciousness, and that's, you know, not always easy in the world, right? Because we're, ren- we're marketed to believe that we need more. We're marketed to believe that the, the pie is finite. You know, yes, the, and that we're mostly broken. Um, yes, and you're not broken at all. Yeah, because when you, what occurred to me as you were talking about renewal and starting to string these three together is when we go all the way back to what I said, well, how do I know that my art is, you know, how do I know I'm worthy? Or well, when you feel genuine self-love, you don't question that at all. It's just gone. And you feel abundant. You do. You abundant. And we are natural abundance. We actually are. 21,600 breaths every single day you take. 15 a minute. That alone is natural abundance. That's the proof right there that you are natural abundance, that you're that abundant. And that that is our natural state of being is abundance. We've been marketed to and told that there's a finite amount of pie and that you only get a little piece. So you better go grab your piece of the pie, right? There's only so many, only so many artists can actually make money. Says who and why? And you would think that's especially in your creative field, because you would think, well, there's only so many Broadway shows or, you know, or excuse me, so many show theater shows that could be on Broadway in New York. Like that does have this appearance of being limited, but would you say that that is an impression because we've continued to propagate it. it a certain way? Absolutely. You know, I liken this a lot to, you know, that idea of pie, right? Because there's Stephen Covey uh, created this idea of scarcity mentality, scarcity mindset, which was based on the fact that there's only that a pie, a pie of possibility. And everyone's reaching for that piece to get their piece of the pie. My grandmother had 27 grandchildren. Yeah, 27, eight kids, 20, like 27 grandkids. And she made pie. And all the kids rushed for that pie to get their piece because they wanted some of that pie. But what my grandmother knew was that there was more to go around. She would just bring out another pie. And I think about that a lot because there's more pies. It's not finite. There's more pies. The universe naturally regenerates, right? We go through these seasons. It's not like as in in the fall when the leaves are falling off, they're never coming back. We could think, oh my God, we're done. It's done. It's said, uh, I'm too old. I'm too old to be an artist. The leaves are gone. They're dead. No, they may take a little hibernation, but they spring back up. There's more pie. There's more regeneration life in you. Until that breath, that 21,600 breaths is completely out of your body. That's the only thing you need to live, by the way, is breath. Your abundance. I think I just went to church. <laughs> I'm like, wait, you don't need food and water? <laughs> you don't need food or water for some quite some time. 
You can go days without food. You can go almost days without water. You can go days without being around the company of people. You can be days without with home, without clothing. The only thing that you have to have at every moment is your breath. The minute the breath is out of your body, you've left this plane, you're dead. On this plane anyway, right? Depending on what you believe about the afterlife. So it's the yeah. only thing you need. And it's that abundant. So you are that naturally abundant. Certainly makes me want to feel extra gratitude for my breath. <laughs> Definitely focusing well, on that. And, and gratitude is part of the four R, the fourth R, which is receive. The fourth R is receive. Because when you clear these blocks, when you got these stories, you clear the blocks, you, you renew yourself and you're this open channel, you become the vessel to be able to receive love, to be able to receive the gifts, to be able to receive from the great creator, which is that well, we all know that there is this whatever source, universe, God, I don't care what you call it. There's something there. There's something greater. There's something out there. We don't know what it is, right? We can name it whatever we want, but as an artist, how do we you know, know, how do we know? Uh, how do you know? Well, you can also believe that it, that it doesn't exist, but let me ask you this. When you are, when you're in that flow, the paint, the painting flow or the right the drawing flow or the writing flow or whatever type of artist flow you're in, you know, when you're in that space and you lose all time, what is that? Well, I know that there's something. I mean, I just feel, I feel that and I trust it for a multitude of reasons. I don't know why I'm speaking to the skeptic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I, I, I totally get it. <laughs> I'm speaking to the skeptic listening and the skeptic that somewhere was put into my early uh, patterning because I find myself wanting to, not wanting to be, but naturally being somewhat of a devil's advocate. Yeah, of and, and I would say as someone who was well introduced to manifestation in my twenties, I felt like I had to keep it quiet. Most people would not understand if I spoke about it. So I naturally had to start figuring out other ways to talk about it. Yeah. To this day, I still don't even talk about it that much. I think you know, in transparency, when Nick was like, well, we could talk about manifestation. I thought, well, but that can really have a, a connotation for people or uh, stir certain ideas. And I don't know that I talk about it that much. And then I also really had to come to terms with why certain things felt like they flowed easily in life and other things didn't. And I, I couldn't, and still in certain areas, you know, couldn't quite piece it together. But that's also what caused me to go on this deeper exploration similar to you. And I really want to understand as much as I can about this. And I imagine that we're always just on the very, like the edges of how far all of this could really go. And it can also be as simple as what we're talking about or is as simple as what we're talking about around self-love. I know I said a lot there and you were going to say something. I can see you're like, and <laughs> it started well, with a skeptic. Yeah. I, I think that it's naturally important to be skeptical, right? It's, it's, it's part of our free thinking nature. One, one should be skeptical. Critical thinking, I like. Critical thinking <laughs> goes back, but, but for me, it goes back to what do I feel, right? We can get really into our head about things and it's like, well, what do I feel? What do I really feel? And I don't mean my feelings, 
because they come and go. I can be sad, happy. Right before this, I was mad. Remember right before we got on, I was like, I'm mad. I'm having a moment, right? Yes. I can do that. I can be sad. I can be happy all within a, in, in just a matter of moments. But what is, what is the deeper, what is the deeper feeling? Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, that really speaks to that to me. And that gratitude feeling, that shifts you back to the now. Yes, it does. And I, I realized too, in the skeptic, I think the reason that I feel called to explore those elements. And I thank you for playing with me and just being open to these questions is because I do think now that there is more conversation around this, there's a lot of misconversation, miscommunication. Uh, There are impressions that are being made around all of this that don't you know, that tend to in some ways make it feel more complicated, that can make you feel like if you're not, as an example, I know I'm just, you know, flying first class everywhere, that somehow you've you've not accomplished something in your life or you're not manifesting the way that you want. And you can get really in your head with all the now information. I went from barely anyone talking about it, but recognizing that I think lastly on this point, a lot of people give lip service to this, but don't actually practice it. And that becomes very confusing when you hear a lot of people talking, but not seeing it realize in their, in their life. And then you're like, but they seem to understand this enough to talk about it, but I'm not seeing it. Or in the case of Instagram, you know, people are clearly misrepresenting in certain instances as well. And it can all just get very muddy versus what you're sharing here around bringing it back to self-love. Yeah, I think but it's I, very shame-inducing, right? Which is what you're talking very, about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think there is a, a sort of misuse or an appropriation of it in many ways that you're seeing. Or, But my whole take on that is really, that's just the level of understanding of where they're at. And that's okay. Of where the person um, teaching or communicating about it is. And there's, you know, there's there's some there's a student for that. There's a student for that. And not every student is for me. You know, I may be taking this to a, a place or a deeper space that a, they're either not ready for or they're not interested in. And that's okay too. That's okay too. I'm not, I, and so when you're looking at it though, rather than taking it from a shame space, I'm, I'm inviting you to take it from a lesson space. What can I learn from this? One of my favorite and I think it's probably the most simple and yet most profound mantra, or which is a, you know, a um, affirmation, is this or something. This or something greater, because the something greater is usually the lesson. Either this, what's happening in front of me, or this lesson that that I'm going to get. You know, what is it when I see people flying first class that triggers in me that I'm so desperately wanting to be at first class, or I'm ashamed about flying first class, or what is the lesson? What is the lesson? It's funny because when we use that example, I flew first class all the time when I was a kid. (laughs) And I'm only using it as an example. Um, Although if I'm being really honest, I'll be like, ah, I'd rather save the money for first class and fly business. That makes more sense to me. (laughs) It's it's a little level of practicality, um, but it's just fascinating how that was not something that felt like that big a deal to me at a certain time. Yeah. Um, 
and how we often equate that to, well, we also equate manifestation. I know we are specifically talking about it in relation to money, but we also seem to re- uh, equate that to how much money you have. And right. that if you're not in a certain level, an echelon, like I just kind of unconsciously did that. If you're not in a certain level of financial um, state, well-being, whatever, that you're not actually a good manifester. And that's where I think that's it can get really confusing. Yeah. Interesting. Because what if but the I think, of that human being isn't money? Right. That and, isn't their why. And what if, you know, that brings it back to abundance is very often associated with money. And I think one time I, I was having a moment of doubt and you were like, look at how abundant, you know, just really taking in everything, like just how even redefining this concept of abundance or. Which is why um, I always bring it back to the breath, which is why I bring it to the trees, which is why I, I, I'm, I look at your creativity is so abundant. You know, somebody may have a lot of money, but they have a deep lack in their well of creativity. They're they're in a job that they hate, that they make a crap ton of money doing. How abundant are they really? Yes, they're financially abundant, but they may be lost in their why. Abundance isn't one thing. It's it's all things. Yes. So I know I was like, oh my gosh, I've completely lost track of time. And I didn't even ask you how long you could be with me. I know we could go forever in all these different areas, but I I want to be respectful of your time and our listeners' time. And I so appreciate this conversation and we may need to continue it, but let's review based upon what we've shared. Um, Let me see if I, I didn't take notes. I'm, I'm testing myself. Review. Yes, review your stories so you know what they are from your past. Release. Release. Let them go. Use techniques, tools, uh, coaches like you and I to release. Renew. Renew. Yeah, rewrite that story. Renew the sense of self because it really goes back to that sense of who you are and your truth and belief in yourself. And I know the fourth piece was gratitude, but it has to be in receive. Receive. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) I like the four R's. That was pretty good. (laughs) Learning to to receive is huge. I know for me, it's been one of the most, the the most difficult of all the three R's for me. And it it has been to allow, to surrender, to let people take Mm -hmm. care of me, for instance. Like those have been very, that R for me, I think we all have different R's that maybe are more, you know, um, poignant or or more. Um, I don't want to say difficult, but are more, but are but are more resonant. That's the right the right word, resonant for us. And for me, it's been received. That fourth R of of truly allowing, truly. Uh, I would say very much for me also. I mean, going on a fertility journey that's all about receiving yeah. on a on a certain level. And yes, what were you going to oh, say? And I was just going to say that it's circular, right? It goes back mm-hmm. to the top and starts over again because our stories do. Each day, new stuff comes in, right? We were out in the world. We're not monks in a cave doing this work. We're out in the world. And so it's circular. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's never ending, just like the, the, the sort of path of the artist, the path of the seeker. 
the path of the creative. So the people we encounter in life, because I would I would suggest that a lot of just tension, you know, losing balance, a lot of that has to do with how we're responding to people in our lives. Yeah. People we work with, people, our relationships, our kids, our parents, our friends, our our stranger interactions. And listening to you talk about this just has me look at it with more curiosity. How is this using the concept of the the lesson, you know, what, what is the lesson in here for me when something feels a little disconnected maybe, or, um, disruptive if we perceive it that way, if we feel challenged and it has me thinking, oh, well, then is every interaction in our life really meant to bring us closer to this path of self-love? Possibly. Possibly. That's a belief system, right? It's possible. Yeah. How would you define it? Or would you? It's interesting because in my youth, I used to try to define everything. You know, yes, I created this for our framework to help people learn, et cetera, et cetera. So we we do that. Yeah, we, we, we want to compartmentalize. Yeah, we do that. Like that's part of the way our brain functions and works, right? But at, the more I know, the less I know. So- you're all right, just going, could be. Could be. Could this be. or something greater. Yeah. So someone listening, it's like, there's a lot of depth, I would say, in this conversation. Would you agree? <laughs> it might be something for someone that's heard of these concepts and is really wanting to embrace them in a new way. And it might be for someone that's like, wow, this is really interesting and new to me. It's like a different approach. Let's say someone's listening and they're like, that's great and all, but I want to make money today. Like I want the practical, you know, I want to make money and I'm a creative and I want to do it with work I love. What would you say to that person? I love that you asked this question because the big piece, the biggest piece of all that's missing, and I was going to wrap it up with this. So this is awesome. Yeah, we've just kind of flowed all the way through where my questions have led you to your next R. (laughs) It's not an R, it's an A. Okay. Action. Oh, action. Okay, we got the four R's, but this is like in addition. In addition, you've got to take action. So all of this that we've done is the work to clear you so that you're ready to, to really fully manifest. But manifestation happens through action. It happens through, if you want to sell today, you got to put your offer out today. It's not sitting there thinking, wishing, hoping, going through the the four R's and I'm releasing this and I'm doing that. But until you take steps, until you take action, ain't nothing going to happen, right? And your four R's are what I've always loved. Personally, I've loved that concept and talk about a lot of inspired action. Yes. So inspired action versus forced action, which sometimes you got to just do that too. Like sometimes you just got to do what you've got to do, but your the steps that you shared with us in the opening are what, from my perception, would create that beautiful space for inspired action, for the inspiration for the next action that gives you better results. More like when we're in the flow, when we talk about being in the flow, whatever that means for you. Yeah, because you can be in the flow with selling in the same way that you could be in the flow with your creating, 
right? Yeah. It's about taking a al- aligned or inspired is your word. I always say aligned action. It's the same idea, but you got to take it. Uh, can you define that for us, your version aligned action? Yeah, because I've done all this work of the R's, right? Because I've cleared myself, then I my actions will reflect that that new space where I'm coming from. It won't be clouded by I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I, I'm too old, I'm too this. It won't be reflected in that. It'll be reflected in a way that is truly inspired, like you say. It's out into the world, clear, open, honest, and people respond to that. And would you say that, yes, they do. I mean, to skip over that, they do. Somehow it's like, that's the work we respond to. That's the, the, uh, the, per, the people I always aspire to be, that's, they just have that in spades, like consistently, you know, yeah. just being that open, honest clear i hope again i embody i think i embody it sometimes from time to time uh increasing hopefully day by day which brings me lastly to would you say that this is a daily practice or even you know better yet awareness that then if you choose to make it a practice yeah. it's an everyday awareness right awareness becomes the practice which becomes the way of being Mm. And then once it's more the way of being, you aren't thinking about it as much or not. Right. Because it's ingrained, it's embodied, like you said. And when you embody it, then you attract people. You attract people towards your vision. Right. We 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 manifest in co-creation with 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 everyone. So in collaboration. Another thing I would say is make a list of collaborators who you want to collaborate with. We're collaborating today yes. because we share like vision in many yes. ways. Yes, we have different things that we can bring to the table, which is beautiful and amazing. And we're manifesting together today. We love our creatives. <laughs> we, love, we love our fellow creatives. We love helping our fellow creatives. I know. Yes, we do. Um, intend and hope that this has been helpful for you. And yeah, creatives are really really special people on so many in so many ways um yeah I can just continue to say more about it but I would love to ask you for your thoughts your closing thoughts like how you might like to wrap this and then how you might like to put a bow on this episode that we can then unpack again later. I don't know why I'm making a metaphor of a present. <laughs> Put a bow on this episode. And then when we come back one day and do another one, we'll be like, let's take that bow the metaphor is about the gift. It's a gift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. And all of, all of manifestation is a gift because you're a gift. You're a gift to the world. And the more you know that, the more the, the, the world will respond to that. And so if there's any takeaway from today, for me, I'm offering is that be the gift be the gift oh that's really beautiful and instantly my mind was like well how do you know that you're a gift (laughs) how do you know that you're not how do you know that you're not and i i say very often i'll say i love this concept of just you know acceptance of well we're figuring this out as we go we may or may not have the answer on this and I'm always like, well, what's the alternative, you know, 
do you want to think you're a gift or not? <laughs> what would you choose? Like, sometimes it's just that simple. <laughs> Even no, if someone wanted to look easy. at you and be like, you're not a gift. I can imagine siblings who fight. They're like, I didn't have any siblings growing up with me. So I was not, I, I had a little bit of bullying, I think. But there's always that person that's like, you're not a gift. Okay, well, you get to choose, right? You get to choose what feels better. I would pick something that feels better personally. <laughs> and sometimes that person is me that's saying I'm not the gift, right? And yeah. I have to keep remembering who I actually am. Go back to that little child before eight years old, all of that. Like, who are you really? Yeah. Yeah. I always look at I always look at a little baby and I just think, gosh, just look at them, you know, and they're just completely newly on the planet yeah sort of present everything's present right there before we start putting our ideas on (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) we're being present you are present it is present oh see it's all magical if you don't believe in intuition, we didn't plan this. <laughs> Very good at like pulling the uh, the intuitive flow, whatever came through during this episode into weaving it into a bow. <laughs> there it is again. All right. So you are a gift and you are a gift, Nick Demos. Where can we find you, learn more about you? I know you also have a podcast. Thank you again for having me as a guest as yeah, well. Yeah, come listen to, they, they all need to come listen to your episode on my podcast because uh, I think we could probably learn something new about you that you might not have shared <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, that's called the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. Uh, and then you can find me across all the platforms, you know, at the T-H-E, nickdemus.com, and .com. That's for my website, thenickdemus.com, but on all the <laughs> socials at thenickdemus. You're on TikTok. I will yeah. just say, very fun to follow, Nick. There might be dancing involved. There is, yeah, Some... really dancing involved. Here's the weird <laughs> Sometimes. thing about As deep as we <laughs> went today, like as deep as I go, I'm also equally as silly and ridiculous. Yeah, it's all about having fun. Look, <laughs> look at the end yeah. of the day. Choose <laughs> more fun days than not. Uh, and and there's very thoughtful ideas. You're one of my favorite people to follow because I'm always like, oh, as you can see, <laughs> I'm like, oh, tell me about this. Tell me about this. And you are, it's fair to say, well, let's also, can we please talk about your documentaries? Can we please tell people to go see the one that is already out? And also there's one coming. We didn't even get to touch upon the fact that Nick is also filmmaking and and coaches creatives across all. I know he mentioned he coaches with coaches creatives and he does work. You do work one-on-one as well, right? I don't yeah, know if you're one-on-one currently taking clients. I have a one-on-one you have a group. You're doing more. You're you're kind of pooling all of your wisdom, knowledge, and all these areas, and you're pooling it into a focused um, course that may be coming soon. That's really going to or program. This to me would be an experience for sure. Yes. That's going to take people, you know, through these steps and really help people at at a variety of levels of understanding things may be flowing well and then you just want them to flow even better or refine your process even more around 
these practices or this awareness. Yeah, because so, for most yeah, of us, so let's talk about the film. In one, in one part of our life, we're like flowing, 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 and another we may not be, right? And so, yeah, and it, it switches over time, right? So it's just, it's mm -hmm. a, it'll be tools to, to help with the flow, basically. Yeah, the documentaries, um, I have a documentary about fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain syndrome. Uh, I followed um, four women over the course of two years, including my mother who has fibro. And in the course learned a heck of a lot, including my own um, genetic component and what that meant for me personally. And I became a part of the doc midway through, which is a very interesting documentary thing to happen. It's called Invisible and it's out currently. Where can we see it? We can see it on uh, Vimeo, right? On Vimeo. And then it's going um, what they call TVOD. So it'll be across multi-platforms beginning in May. That's so exciting. Yeah, really exciting. And then my second documentary is called The Body Electric. And it is about body image, specifically body dysmorphia in the LGBTQ community and that will be out we're about one month away from finishing the film and so it'll be out likely next, either into this year or the next year beginning of next year so super excited about that here's my third incredible for the episode. incredible <laughs> and you are also consulting and working on there will be more uh broadway productions that you are involved in as well correct i'm a consultant currently on a new broadway show that's in development uh, and, uh, those take, you know, they take some time. We're talking five years, you know, before a show from five to 10, typically for a Broadway show from, you know, inspiration to fruition. So that's. And lastly, this, this may seem like a silly question to bring it all the way back. But when you said you got your first professional dancing job, was it at 14? 16. 16. How did you do? How did you do that? That's so great for someone I, listening who may want that. I, I, you know, it was right time, right place. I was also very deep in study. And um, I happened to live in a town that had a theater and I, and they found me. So, you know, auditioned like everyone else. So I went to the audition. <laughs> <laughs> and you got it and you were so you were already studying in that direction I and was where I was that you've told me where I grew up in Michigan but I was studying from I was 12 years old when I began studying theater and dance uh yeah like 19 to have my first national tour I was really young really really young that's fantastic congratulations on all that <laughs> that's nice that feels like a nice lifetime time. ago. I'm 50. I know what, what that feels like forever ago. What happens at this stage, I've noticed, is that uh, some of us, I won't put you in that camp unless you put yourself in that. Some of us maybe forget what we've accomplished because we're so forward focused and we're so in, I'll speak for me, I'm so into. I'm voracious about understanding this and personal development and personal growth and, oh my goodness, and wanting to help people with whatever I figure out. And I completely almost forget the things that I've done. It's really, it's really wild. And so it's nice to take a moment and just go, you know, or sometimes I'll even feel envious of something lately. And, I, and it does happen still, even though I'm not, I don't want it to, but I'll be like, oh, I wish I was doing that. I'm like, oh. I did that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> Wait, I wrote a book. <laughs> 
I have a published book as an example. I'm like, I did it. And it's just, it is nice sometimes to let that settle in and go, yeah. And that, which lastly, my last loop back, my bow loop back is that, you know, um, my gosh, my last bow loop back, Pepita, you distracted me. I completely forgot what my last bow loop back was. Uh, I think it was just, you know, um, oh yes, I remember that the, sometimes we don't remember these things we've accomplished because they aren't ultimately that piece that fulfills in the same way. And so they become these accomplishments that we sort of just take off. And and some of that is societal. I think like if you're a Tony award winner or you're a published author, like this has a certain level of respect and that's nice. That's really appreciated uh, within your craft. And at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean much beyond that. Sometimes if we aren't doing this other, we aren't having this other awareness. So I'm really going to enjoy reflecting on the conversation today. And I thank you so much for taking this much time with us and sharing this insight. And uh, I love that you're bringing, at least for me. um, And like I said, I followed this for a long time and listened to many, many iterations. Uh, It's a beautiful, wonderful and different approach to information I've had that now you've given me something new to grab hold that I really like. Oh, thank you. Thanks again for having me, truly. And um, uh, your your students are and clients are so fortunate because you're a, an amazing human and such a big heart. So thank you again. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. I have a tough time receiving. <laughs> I'll send it. <laughs> I'll send it right back to you. <laughs> thank you, Nick. Creative Thursday is recorded by me, Marisa. You can find all things Creative Thursday at creativethursday.com and learn about how I can support you in building and growing your thriving artist business at creativethursdaycourses.com. Be sure to hit subscribe to get the next episode as soon as it drops. And if this episode has inspired you, share it with a friend and fellow creative and leave a positive review so that more listeners can be introduced to the Creative Thursday message and mission to empower artists to know their worth, value their work, and consistently artfully sell to their ideal collectors online so that they can make more beautiful art all in support of living a life they love Coming together as a creative community, we uplift and support one another while encouraging and being an example for more people all over the world to dream big and believe in what is possible for them.